0: Hello and welcome to Wandering Worlds. My name is, of course, Brian Woodruff. Uh, We're um, doing an interesting one. This is uh, Season 2, Episode 1, a little segment we call uh, I Have an Opinion, where you will just hear myself and the two lovely people that are with me right now uh, just go on about opinions on uh, apostrophes and uh, uh, maternity leave, remembrance day, and uh, various other little things here and there. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, The two people along here are Mark and Max, and uh, yeah, the journey is a fun one. Uh, We will get started in just a moment.
1: So today is Thursday, (laughs) November 9th. Tomorrow is Friday, November 10th, which for many people is a holiday.
2: Do you guys have tomorrow off?
0: I do not. I have Monday off.
2: Working tomorrow, going to do some stuff. Um, It's a holiday for Remembrance Day on the 10th. We were meeting for the first time, so... Hello, that's right, Max? yes. let uh... Let's your... shake hands. Here, wait,
1: let's shake hands really close to the mic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the sound of two hands shaking.
1: For... Apparently, for schools, tomorrow is a holiday. And hmm. for my office, tomorrow is a holiday. But for every other person I've spoken to, they all have Monday off.
0: That's a strange way Why of doing
1: it. Why take the day off? I didn't
2: think Remembrance Day was a day you took off. I it, was...
1: uh, it well, I mean, technically... People on Friday and people on Monday are not taking Remembrance Day off. They are taking days adjacent to Remembrance Day off.
2: But that's the celebration.
1: Well, yes. I, I believe in Canada, when you have a statutory holiday... Is that the right term?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. statutory. Yeah. Okay,
1: good. Uh, when you have a statutory holiday that falls on a weekend... I, th- I thought that the general etiquette was they move the... The day off to the following Monday, but for schools and my office, it
2: is the preceding Friday. Does it seem like a strange thing to have a holiday for, To not to not recognize and observe, but to take a day of leisure for? It seems a bit odd to me.
1: I I certainly see the arguments behind that, in that it is not a thing that You know, you take a day off for for leisure, exactly. And this is something, it is not necessarily meant to be a leisurely activity, remembering those who have died in service of our country. But I think that Canada and a lot of other countries tries to do one national holiday per month. Right, right. So January, you've got New Year's Day. February, you've got... Family Day or some equivalent. Uh, March, you've got... I don't know... St. Patrick's Day? And, well, that's <laughs> sure. That's yeah. all I, I know take about St. I March. take the day after St. Patrick's Day off Good yeah, on you. pretty frequently. As you should be.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if you were to say <laughs> the States of America, what would that be?
1: Well, the name of the country is far too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh... I,
2: It's I, I, I cannot think off the top of my head
1: of a longer name for a country, the United Arab Emirates. Not as long, I don't think. No. Um,
0: syllabic.
2: I mean, it does abbreviate well. Yeah, sure. Hmm. Right. I like things that start with a vowel. It's kind of bold.
1: You think Wait. You think starting with a vowel is, is bolder than starting with a
2: consonant? I'm trying to start with a compliment. Canada. Canada's good.
1: Ukraine.
2: The Ukraine, though. Whoa. Ukraine uh, has the special privilege of getting the Ukraine. Okay. I Not guess a lot of countries true, get that. A, that's a good point, yeah.
0: It's like a proper noun. It just really wants to be out there.
2: I And I I respect that. I feel like I don't know a lot about the Ukraine, but I do have a little more respect for it than Yugoslavia. I don't know anything about them. What
0: well, do you know about the Ukraine?
2: That it has a the in front of it. Oh, that's fair. Or maybe a the. I don't know. I don't know how they feel about it.
1: You know what? I realize that uh, America is, has once again been beaten by China, and it's actually the Democratic People's Republic of China, longer than the United States of America. Oh, what's uh,
2: what's North Taiwan. Korea's full title? Is it the uh, People's something? something oh something? shit! It's it's the. <laughs> I don't
0: know, but... People at home,
2: please Google this with us. Yeah, guessing there's some African names out there too. They're fairly long. Well,
1: I don't know. I mean, more
2: democratic. Officially, Republics the, of... I got
0: it. I got it. It's the Democratic People's Republic of Korea.
2: Yeah, that's that. That has to be longer than okay. the United States. Did I also? Is it actually called the Democratic
1: People's yeah. Republic of yeah. China, though? Should I get? Should I just take the name of Korea and replace Korea of like North Korea and replace Korea with China? Because that's possible. Do you feel bad about
2: that? I, I would. Yeah, I mean, there's probably People's
0: Republic of China.
2: Uh, I threw in the word democratic there. Where did they put the apostrophe in "peoples"? Uh, wait, because you you could put it after the S and I...
0: oh, it's after the P. It's the peoples, yeah.
2: Yeah, but you put "peoples" and then apostrophe yeah. S. Yeah, that's correct. Or S apostrophe.
0: No, it's apostrophe S. I I see where you're coming at this, but and then it...
2: I feel that looks sloppy in grammar when uh-huh. you put the apostrophe after the S.
0: Taiwan is also uh, officially the Republic of China, if, if you want to get mm. uh, okay. get to the side of it
2: of I, I want to talk more about this
1: apostrophe situation uh, you are not a fan of It's a
0: capostrophe.
1: Uh, uh, someone whose name for instance ends with an s at uh, going s apostrophe for possessive
2: yeah i don't like that i think you want s apostrophe s yeah yeah I can, 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 no, can, garbage. Garbage. can you can you that's go ahead garbage. and just
0: pronounce that like could you give me an okay, example okay if you have
2: a name like chris and then chris's with a possessive of yeah. Chris's thing, should be C-H-R-I-S apostrophe S. Or should it just now be- Now that
0: you're a... saying it, now that you're saying it, I almost want to agree with you because it does sound like the apostrophe is before the S.
2: Well, the apostrophe doesn't make a sound.
0: I, it's the way I'm going with this.
2: Okay, all
1: right. I, I will carry this- I'm uh, going to Chris's house, C-H-R-I-S apostrophe space house. Ooh, that is ugly. It's It's beautiful. It's one of the few times you get to use an apostrophe at the end of a
2: word. It is a grammatical loophole that we have yet to figure out, and it has been centuries, I assume. But I I think at some point, English language should get around to uh, figuring out how to neaten that up, because I think it's ugly.
1: Yeah. On on this note, I've been watching lately uh, a lot of the uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary has their own YouTube Mm. channel. And, wonderful life you lead right it's it's truly something special and most of the time they they have these ask the editor questions and they sort of field common uh, questions about you know things like the Oxford comma or uh, you know, other vocabulary terms like that like what is an actual what, what defines a word what makes a word a word and generally it's like they're 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 very casual about the whole thing they're just like you know what if people understand what you're talking about yeah it's more important you know
2: uh sure say the thing Brian say the thing oh no, it's
0: funny like you and I were having this exact conversation like two days ago it's, it's fantastic we were talking about context and being able to just like some people try to overcomplicate their language to sound like they're smarter but they just end up with a uh, really complex uh incoherent sentence uh, you went to Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and who was the third person uh
2: Matt Dillahunty. um it it's it was uh at a opportunity for the audience to ask the most convoluted questions that they could come up with, which was um, just an experience in in seeing how many different thesaurus words you could cram into a <laughs> sentence and lose as much meaning as possible. Um, I had no idea what the Q&A section was all about.
1: I feel that's that's often the case with Q&A uh, situations. Is It's just an opportunity for people to show off how smart they are. Like, I have a really good question.
2: Yes, and I have been thinking about this nonstop for the last mm. several weeks, and now I'm going to put all of that thinking into one crammed, run-on sentence, and I'm going to see how you can deal with it.
0: Can I bring up an interesting um, no. form of punctuation? I'm going to anyway. The interrobang. The interrobang is like one of my favorite like potentially jargon forms of punctuation. Do you know what it is? It, it, it is literally when you combine an exclamation point and a question mark. Oh, that I've seen that. It's beautiful. It looks beautiful, but it also looks like a, some sort of utensil you would use at dinner.
2: What's it meant <laughs> to represent? Like,
0: it, it, it's just confused, like what, what, bewilderment. Yeah, yeah I, I, I imagine so. It's kind of like it's like really.
2: Yeah. Do we need one punctuation point for that? Why
0: not? Like, it's, it's saving space, and, like, it's bringing two beautiful <laughs> things together. We, we, we'd we separate the A and the E from a lot of words, like aether, you know, you said the there's, beautiful...
2: There's another one, you said it, a lot. Why can't a lot just be one word? Because it is one word,
1: it just has a different meaning. To a lot, this is your yeah. allotted time. But you don't
2: spell it, a, yes. uh, A-L-O-T. Yeah. Oh, and then A-L-O-T-T-E-D,
0: Yeah. Yeah. allotted. Well, all right.
2: There we go, I... We solved everything. We've just Mm
0: -hmm. peace. Peace can happen now.
2: Maybe we should get rid of a lot as a word, and uh, or just add a t to it, and then the regular which is lot can be joined together. We should just
0: go Orwellian and just use um, newspeak, and just go like uh, instead of um, saying very good, you just say good good. We should you know, do that for the rest yeah. of this podcast. Yeah, you know, it's bad, bad; it's good, good. You know, just double down the words. That's how you create very coherent meanings. You just emphasize what you're saying by saying it two times. What That's
2: are going to do with all the free time?
0: Ugh, oh, um, learn to knit. I mean, that would be fun.
1: This is a garbage, garbage idea. Uh,
0: I've had I've had a few good ideas at some points, but uh, apparently the morphine is uh, kicking in.
1: Slowly. Um, Let's talk about that. Let's talk about morphine.
0: Yeah, it's not um, it's fun. I mean, uh, personally, it gives me a headache, and uh, yeah, it gives me quite a bad headache, and uh, I'm, I'm uh, not enjoying it greatly, but it is it is helping with the pain. So I, uh, I, I thank it for th- for the pain relief, but um, I certainly would prefer not to have to have it.
1: I think you're the first person I've ever heard who has disliked their morphine experience.
0: Well, when I was younger, I, uh, I used to take um, codeine and naproxen after I damaged my back. And I did that for a number of years. And I can't really remember much at the end of high school. So uh, I got off of that as soon as I could. And I've tried to avoid any sort of uh, narcotic, medical narcotic in that context. Uh, it's Up until almost effectively this point, uh, there's been one or two other occasions where I've uh, hurt myself. Uh, not, not intentionally, like falling down a flight of stairs. It's not like I threw myself down there. Uh, Yeah, but I I dislike morphine. I I dislike anything that really messes with your perception and your ability to concentrate and your ability to uh, enjoy an experience. And I feel myself slowly being pulled behind a fog, a haze of incoherency. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this will start to make itself, uh, will manifest itself in in the the minutes to follow. So I apologize.
2: Um, It's going to be a fun experience for us an interesting one to observe, at least. But is, is morphine not pretty similar to heroin?
0: I, I would not know. I have not done the research, and I am not interested in doing comparative studies.
1: I, I think they are both opioids, though. Right. Yeah. So I think they have similar uh, results.
2: Yeah, I would have thought, there, I mean, even if you don't like it for all those reasons you gave, which seem valid, still maybe see why someone else would like it.
0: Ah, uh, I, I, at the grasping at at it, I think I could understand how someone might enjoy the experience, but personally, I find it distorts my ability to be myself, and I don't like that feeling. Mm. Uh, but again, I'm not trying to judge other people who may uh, indulge in it in one capacity or another. <laughs> uh,
2: Just a little casual heroin on the side. You know, I uh, recently
1: watched a video uh, that was done by some former heroin addicts, and they talked about the reasons that people slip into getting into heroin uh, and, you know, sort of the, the commonality. It's not the right word to use in this context. Anyway, how common uh, heroin use is amongst people you would never really guess because it, it is an upper. It, 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 gets you, it gives you energy, uh, and so there are a lot of people... Myth.
2: No, it was heroin. I think it was heroin. Pretty heroin sure it was gives heroin. You energy. I think so. Like, would you go to a party on heroin?
1: I get, well, here's the thing in, the, in this video, shit, now I'm going to sound like an idiot if it's not heroin. Alright, if it's not heroin, we'll cut this whole thing out. No, I'm just talking <laughs> with authority, correct uh, the people that
2: know better.
1: That's right. Um, so, th- there will be people like, you know, soccer moms who just need an extra boost to be able to get through the day because uh, they're up, you know, uh, 18 hours a day trying to keep their kids healthy and ready and off to all the different activities, they need something to keep them energized, they'll resort to heroin. And if you have 200 people in an office, chances are one or two of those people will be a regular heroin user.
0: Is that that an accurate statistic? That's
1: insane. That's what was quoted in this, you know, it seemed like a legitimate video.
0: I I, I feel like there's, I, I did hear, and this is years ago, and I'm sure it's still a thing, that um a lot of people in the medical profession resort to cocaine because it is out of your system within 24 hours and there was actually uh I believe it was in Australia maybe New Zealand one of the one of the two I apologize for I know they're very different areas but uh anyway uh there was um a whole like investigation into nurses and doctors that were working uh hours like you're describing but uh, in the medical uh, industry and uh just needed something to pick them up and they would resort to uh, dosing themselves cocaine, and uh,
2: that that sounds more like what I would imagine you're describing. Yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know enough about heroin, but I, I thought that would probably take you out of being able to do anything functional. But uh, cocaine kind of gives you that up, hmm. um, a little uh, uh, stimulus. But I don't know, cause cocaine uh, that that hits you on the dopamine level, right, and hmm. so. My understanding is, dopamine versus serotonin. Like serotonin, if you get a ton of that, you're gonna bliss out and you love everything, and it's that's like your ecstasy experience where everything touches and feels great and it's, it's very sensual. Whereas uh, something that is hitting your dopamine is hitting your reward system. And so, if you if you do something and it's positive for you, you get a little surge in dopamine. And so, if you're artificially surging your dopamine, you're constantly getting the carrot in mm. all of your activities. And I think that's why people can be kind of raging assholes, but they don't have corrective behaviors for that because they're continually getting rewarded for whatever they're doing. And, you know, I have no idea about the nuances so, of this. So
0: you're saying Donald Trump is like a huge heroin addict.
2: Uh, <laughs> cocaine is what I would assume. If, yeah. if, in that, I don't know what heroin does. I don't know anything about anything.
0: No, you, 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 you speak with knowledge, and I appreciate it.
2: I, I have this entry level to know enough to realize how much I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> Donald Trump has made
1: it uh, is very clear about how uh, he does not drink, he does not do drugs, and he does not smoke
2: at all. Um, I think that's an interesting thing. Do you think it's accurate? I find it interesting, too. I've, I, I have no know, reason to I doubt it. I don't
1: believe that he is too, you know, paranoid just as a person. To, he probably does not. I, I, You know, it's something I'm willing to take at face value, hmm. even from such a horrible lying monster.
2: The, the drinking one seems a little suspicious to me, because unless he has religious convictions, which I don't think he does, I, I wonder what would put it in his mind to, to abstain from that entirely. Hmm. I mean, plenty of people don't drink, but uh, there's not a lot of people that I know of who completely avoid it unless they've had a, a addictive episode in their life or religious uh, convictions. Or
0: someone in their family that has had some sort of, uh, has a behavior or has had an experience which they uh, are able to internalize and, and put to their own life. Like I, I know a number of people, even people that I work with who are you know, in their early 20s who have never drank, have no interest in drinking, don't smoke, don't do any sort of recreational drugs. And, uh, it's based on, uh, familial experiences mm-hmm. where a member of their family has, uh, destroyed their life, uh, through one of these, um, uh, escaping mechanisms. And I don't mean escaping in a bad way. I, I certainly enjoy, a, a beer or two or three or four for an occasion.
2: Yeah. You gotta calm down, Brian. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We've, trapped you in this little box for an intervention.
0: Well, I'm the one closest to this door, so I'm pretty sure that if this wasn't an intervention, I could just get we out of
2: here. He did not organize this well. Oh, wow. no, I was pretty poor. <laughs>
0: shouldn't
2: have brought all that celebratory booze either. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations
0: for being sober!
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a whole half hour.
0: Oh, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a thing? Hey, I find, going back to the point before, the idea of operational, uh, people who are operational in their ability to uh, you know, you mentioned the the heroin soccer moms and uh, people in, in industries where it would be a bit uh, unexpected to find out that they're able to maintain a level of uh, decorum, uh, regardless of the fact that they're indulging in something that is d- that is admittedly destructive and probably affecting them in some negative ways. Uh, I just find it. You, you hear about that. You hear about people who are like, "Oh yeah, you know, I have a friend who's an operational alcoholic." You are like, that, "That that no that that d- d- those two words should not be going together."
2: Yeah, it doesn't seem possible as much with alcohol, but I could see that with other drugs, especially stimulants, you know, if you're just using your substance to give you a boost like coffee or whatever.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't live without coffee. Well I could, but I mean like I would be I'd be I'd be I'd spend a couple of weeks just really, really um I'd be lingering in the shadows waiting for the, the burning of the light to stop.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
1: I I mean that sort of makes me think of the end of the movie, um, Oh shit. Uh, with, uh, with Denzel Washington uh, Flight mm, I've yeah. seen it uh, oh, well, uh, he's a, a pilot who is a sort of alcoholic drug addict uh, just an addict in general um, and he, uh, he, saved, he there's, he's in a plane and there's an engine failure and he has to do this incredible maneuver where he flips the plane upside down and lands it upside down uh, it's the only way they could possibly have saved everyone and then he goes to, he's, uh, he has, there's a you know a great hearing about it to determine if it was uh, human failure or mechanical failure. and uh, he, But he has, since the accident, he has sworn off all uh, drugs and alcohol. And then the night before the hearing, he is put up in a hotel with an empty minibar, but then he finds that in the next room over, there's another minibar, and the door was left open. So he, he gets very, very drunk, and then um, the only way to have him uh, be able to function at the hearing is by having his dealer come back and give him all his usual treatment of, uh, you know, Coke and whatever other drugs that he is normally on. And with all that special stuff, he is able to, uh, uh, you know, face the hearing as a sober person would. Uh, of course. Spoilers during the hearing, he breaks down and admits that he is an addict, but that he, anyway. But uh, so there are people who, who uh, you know, I, when they get all this shit going around in their system, if they're just used to it, huh. that's how they function best.
0: I, I do really enjoy that the that that in that wonderful explanation of the movie, and actually makes me want to watch it. Uh, you you said spoiler alert, and there was no pause. It was just like immediately with the spoiler. Like, I, I notice that the people do that a lot. Like, they're like, oh, by the way, spoiler alert, so-and-so dies. And you're like, but you didn't even give me a chance to say anything. You
1: know what? That movie came out a couple years ago. If you haven't seen it by now, it's your own fault.
0: Yeah, I feel like that is fine for people of the same age, age range. So it's perfectly fine to say that to me. But I, I thought about this recently, uh, about people who are younger, who were born after those movies come, came out. Mm-hmm. and you're, And, like, they just haven't really had the chance to see it. Like they're they're growing up. Like I think mm-hmm. Leslie and I have talked a lot about what we want to expose our son. Uh, his name's going to be Logan. Uh, to as far as like uh, media goes, and we we got pretty excited thinking about all these uh, shows that we enjoy that we hope we are going to be able to get him to enjoy. But th- that came to mind. Like there are a bunch of ones that we've seen that I don't think that I've ever thought about rewatching. That I just really enjoyed as a one-off. Like, I, I, this is not one that I would do right away, of course. But Requiem for a Dream is a movie that I freaking love. Jesus. But no, but we're, we're, it, it's it's top. It's on the topic. It's on the topic. <clears throat> but you know, I, that's a movie that I, I think is important. It's really you know, it's macabre. It's dark. It has all these important messages about addiction and uh, the horrors of it and and criminality and so on and so forth. But that is not a movie I need. I've needed personally to see a second time. I saw it once. It hit me hard. Uh the music is still plays in the back of my head. So and what
2: what age do you reckon you're gonna expose your child to this?
0: Like eight, nine, you eight, know. Nine, an yeah, appropriate yeah. age, you know. Time to learn about yeah. the world. Yeah.
2: Ass to
0: ass Quote from that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like see, you yeah. know,
2: soon young Logan's can be quoting. No, these please, lines. no. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Uh it's such a weird world. I mean uh not to touch too much on it, but you hear about the Kevin Spacey like yeah, absolutely. And you and hear t- today, uh, Lucy Game. Yeah. Did you hear that they're they're completely removing him from a film that he finished? Kevin Spacey. Yes, yes, I yeah.
1: did. That's incredible. Do the,
2: that. They're
0: reshooting. They're reshooting all of the scenes with all the original actors except for him, and they are just remaking the film. They're getting rid of him completely. Did he
2: have a major role? As I, I think they yeah, said there was no. two
0: weeks of shooting.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. No, I think it was only a couple of
1: days of shooting.
0: Oh, I thought there was two. I maybe, I maybe it was two weeks. Yeah. I don't quite
1: remember, but I, I I know that the movie's supposed to come out in like. December 22nd or something. Apparently still is. And that's incredible. But you know if yeah like, it's, it's so
2: fascinating how um, how there's been this kind of knock-on effect where it's hitting all these multiple people with I'm the so same kind of reception yeah. case by case and I mean it is, there's a lot of positivity to it. Um, oh absolutely. And, I I wouldn't have expected it to happen in this way.
0: I yeah but I think I think we can all agree that it's an incredibly important thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it, it, it started off as like whispers and it eventually just grew to this point where no one is, quote. I mean, there'll, there'll be examples elsewhere, but no one is quote, unquote safe anymore. Like mm-hmm. you, you, before these allegations, I, when I thought of Kevin Spacey, I was like, he seems like a nice fella. And now I'm like, you start, start reviewing a bit of his attitude in the past, and you're like, he probably was not a nice fella. Mm. And it, it, it Do you just, think
2: it demeans his entire character? I mean, Yes, I, absolutely. I don't know enough about him outside of house cars. Any, like I, any, I really
0: any person that tries to make sexual advances on a 14-year-old boy yeah, yeah, yeah. No, is sick. That's, that's,
2: that's terrible, but you think everything he's ever done in a social context is now terrible i
0: think it's questionable
2: in a, in a social context we're not talking
1: about in uh, uh behind the an artistic yeah. context mm. no i'm
2: just saying like he could do a bad thing like i don't know the like, guy i'm not trying to defend him right now i'm sure. just saying he might be uh, a person that we all agree is is obviously gross in this one context mm-hmm. but you could imagine he has other uh friendships that are like perfectly enriching to that other person that aren't Violated by this? Yeah, I, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe he's a total scumbag in every realm of his life. No,
0: I think I think you're 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 right. I mean, I, I'm sure that it's almost that weird. Um, I don't even know the word I want to use. Uh, excused behavior, where he because he hasn't really been uh, publicly called out for all these things that he's done until relatively recently. I mean, I'm sure there've been behind the scenes things that have been called out against him, but he's. He kind of allowed he, – he's believed he's allowed this a certain uh, allowance in the way that he behaves with people. And, like, you hear – there was one thing that came out recently about him walking over to some guy at a bar and just grabbing his dick. Mm-hmm. And, like, that should have been a red flag right there. But uh, – and that was, like, a year or so ago. And it just – it's –
2: yeah, I, I imagine if he feels that entitled that he probably does a lot of things that are pretty disagreeable. That's
0: a great word. That's a great for, word for it. He, he, he feels entitled.
2: Well, who's the... I don't know if names were named, but Terry Crews had a similar complaint yeah. yeah. about someone... Someone's read anyway. He
1: just uh, actually, I think it was today, he, he officially filed uh, a claim against him in the New uh, York... Did they New say York, uh Yeah, uh, I don't recall. It was a, a, an important casting agent. Right. Um, who also I think is the casting editor for a number of other prominent people, but uh, uh, yeah, he's he's being uh, uh, charged. There, there, are, there are you know there's charges filed against
2: him, and the NYPD is on it. Yeah, so that's I think you that, go, man. But the 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 bigger point to all of this is not the the handful of people that have somewhat recognizable names. It's it's that this probably precipitates in every other industry. And you just think, like, local restaurant and how they treat their waitresses. You know, these kind of things that would never get um, the kind of media attention. And I don't know how those situations get changed after the last several weeks of media attention.
1: I'm, I'm sure that uh, uh, it, while it does happen... I mean, it does happen everywhere, in every, in every industry. But I think part of the reason why maybe people have a tough time coming forward in uh, the entertainment industry is because your reputation is so incredibly important there, whereas maybe you're, because you are uh, in the public eye, whereas, you know, in the uh, other industries like the uh, bagel industry, you know, reputation's not quite as important. Actually, not
2: true.
0: Montreal bagels, you know, those yeah. are the best in the world.
2: That's, yeah, that's probably
1: right.
0: That's where I'm from, so i, I got to back them up.
2: That's your, your brand loyalty right there.
0: Brand loyalty, yeah. Montreal bagels, uh, Montreal smoked meat, you know, we we, we got to go in there.
2: What is your bagel of choice?
0: Oh, just like, you know, if you get a really good sesame bagel, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. If it's out of the oven and it's, it's like fresh, you don't need anything. It's like melts in your mouth. Uh,
2: even a little cream cheese.
0: I mean, if you want cream cheese, you put a little cream cheese in there and bam, next level shit. But bam. you don't need that cream cheese, is what I'm saying. It, it's an addition, but it's not a necessary addition. It's already a 10 on 10. By adding the cream cheese, you're still maintaining the 10 on 10. It's like you can't go higher than that. Not on the scale.
2: It just keeps hitting the ten out of ten.
0: Yeah, it just it, 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 it's yeah, it's a roof. It's a, it's a it's a solid, unmovable number.
2: All right. Well, I, I guess you just figured out life right there.
0: Eating bagels. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, when I used to live um, on Park Street in uh, in Montreal, uh, there was Fairmount Bagel just nearby, and. Uh, you know, it's open all night and you can walk in there and for like, Yeah, what's with
2: bagel places oh, being 24 hours?
0: And and they, they constantly make it and this constantly busy. It just doesn't make sense. It's like... Why is that a thing? It, 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 it's an industry that I think created its... It per- per- perpetuated its need to be 24 hours. By the moment it became 24 hours, people knew that they needed bagels every time, any time of the day. And then they were just like... They, they never stopped. I remember going there at like 3.30 on, mon- on Monday morning and it was packed. And I was like, "What? What is? What is this? What is this wonderful microcosm of late night bagel lovers?"
1: What what is? What is the uh, subculture of late night
2: bagel lovers? Who? Who who do you have? Well,
0: you you got you got your two hipsters, Um, just two. Yeah, yeah. There's Guy and there's uh, Jean Pierre, and they're they're wonderful. Mm. Um, What's their facial hair setup like? um, Guy, uh, he he doesn't really have any facial hair, but Jean Guy, uh, sorry. No, what's the other guy's name? Jean-Pierre. Thank you, Jean Pierre. Yeah, Jean Pierre. Uh, he's got like one of those um, Cthulhu style beards, where like it's been uh, separated at the end, and it almost looks like uh, uh, tendrils, tentacles. Don't know what are they called? Hmm. Yeah. A lot oh, yeah, yeah he, he, he's fantastic too. Like every time you walk in, he gives you like a, a nod. He doesn't speak very much, but he's uh he's really positive about the whole experience. And, oh, it, I like, and I he, like the silent positive. He, he, he's there. only there from like two to four, and uh, and like. Otherwise, he's probably at the other bagel joints doing the same thing. It's like his full-time job is just 24 hours being at different bagel shops. Gee, doesn't follow him around all the time. He just, like, they catching up at that time because he gets off work. You know, he works at the bar uh, just down the street.
2: I bet you get a lot of cachet by being the graveyard shift at a bagel place. Oh, yeah. You roll into any bar. They, they know who you are. Yeah, yeah. You walk in, you're like— There's a table already set for you.
0: Yeah, you like, bagels for everybody.
2: If you're coming with bagels, you're even more popular. <sighs> I don't know if you're obligated to as a bagel man.
0: Yeah, you don't bring me wine. If, if, if you're coming from Montreal if you're flying out to Vancouver these days, you bring me bagels.
2: Max. Yep. What's the
1: best bird? Good question. Last weekend, I was out with my friend Alex Sinclair, and we were walking around Lost Lagoon in Stanley Park. Now, I really like walking around Lost Lagoon. You, you, you found it? I found it. It's a, it's a great, large... Uh, pond with a fountain in the middle that is currently being repaired uh, and there's lots of wildlife. You've got uh, great blue herons, you've got two kinds of ducks, mallards and the other one that I don't know the name of. What's that mandarin ducks? Definitely, definitely called mandarin ducks. Um, There's a beaver that lives in there and there's lots of different birds. Um, And uh, I recently was walking around there with my friend Alex and there was this bird on a tree branch right by my head and I was like, like a robin, but but it only had red on the sides of its breast, not on the front of its breast. The front of its breast was white, and it had a sort of dark grayish black uh, uh, back to it and head to it. Which uh, cardinal? Uh, it was not a cardlin, hmm. ca- cardinal. Cardinal, no. Uh, it it looked like a robin. It it was about the size of a robin, but I was not sure what it was, and I continued walk. Uh, sorry, Brian has something to say. Nightwing? No, it's not. A nightwing. Uh. I continued walking, uh, uh, I get it, I continued walking around Lost Lagoon, and then I saw this adorable old couple, maybe in their, you know, like, late 70s, just standing there with a handful of breadcrumbs, feeding some birds, and I saw that one of the birds they were feeding was this particular kind of bird, and so I said, I'm so sorry, sir, excuse me. And he said, oh, yes, hello. And I said, do you happen to know what kind of bird that is? And he said, oh, why, of course. It's a Tui. And I said, a Tui? He said, a Tui? I've never heard of a Tui before. Well, that's what kind of bird that is. And I said, well, thank you very much, sir. And I continued along my way. And now I know that every time I see that bird, I will say, wow, that's a Tui.
0: When they're younger, they call onesies?
2: Hmm.
1: Well, that's all the time we have tonight. So thank you all for tuning in. And we're going to go jump off a bridge.
0: We're not going to jump off a bridge.
2: Right. Don't dictate my life.
0: Mark my jump off a bridge.
2: Yeah, I'm good.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Um, What what brought the idea of birds? I don't
2: know. What's what's the best bird, Brian?
0: I have... I don't know. It's a very hard question for me to answer. Why?
1: Uh, Figure it out. See I, I sidestepped around the question. Yeah, right. you know, yeah, you I didn't actually answer it. I just you know, you, just said you, you, a you bird, know what, you know, know what? You know,
0: I I'm gonna of... go with the Kiwi. Because the Kiwi and the egg that the Kiwi lays is just it's, it's unimaginable. A bird should not have to lay an egg that big. It's just it's ridiculous. You look at a Kiwi size and then you look at the egg that they lay and you're like, How where mother nature, what have you done?
2: I think we need some metrics for this. Because I, I endorse the kiwi. I think that is a good idea. And I think it gets points for uniqueness. But there are other criteria. Uh, I think aesthetics. Uh, like pretty birds. Yeah, pretty the, birds. The birds yeah. of paradise. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, eagles are pretty in a different way. Uh, herons are very uniquely mm. beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: Those long legs, man.
2: Uh, but then you also have things like an ostrich, which gets a lot of unique points. Mm-hmm. So I think... Attractiveness and uniqueness. Um, I think you should have some pedigree. I think we should evaluate it on pedigree. And I feel like maybe cultural relevancy.
0: Mm. You know what really bothers me about the animal kingdom and, and, and human domestication of, of various animals? It's that we've managed to do such amazing things with dogs, but with very few other animals. Like what if other
2: animals don't want to get with the program? We try. Well,
0: clearly, I mean, like. Dogs are just like really apparently genetically malleable. Genetically malleable. We can just do whatever we want with them, and like poor them. Like,
2: well, like man, they got the best deal. No, but like all the no,
0: animals. like English bulldogs. Like, there's like a statistic where like 80 plus percent of uh, pregnancies for English Bulldogs dogs are required cesarean because otherwise the pregnancy would kill the the uh, the pr- the pregnant uh, the, the the birthing mother. That's ridiculous. Like to to to. To have bred an animal so unsuccessfully that you need to be there to help it give birth. It's just like, uh, medically, you need to be there for it to give birth. It's just, it's
2: absurd to me. Yeah, you go to Crack's Mix to make an omelet. And uh, British Bulldogs are, are, are kind of misstep into trying new things <laughs> with dogs. But we also have great whippet. So I don't know why you're complaining so much.
1: Also, with, with dogs, you know, you can call out specific breeds of dog, but they aren't all the same species, right. like genus species. And so, uh, as far as that species goes, they are the second biggest winners in all likelihood. Which uh, we're the, well, the first. If, if we are the first, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah.
0: I, I also like the idea that, th- that there's this great, 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 great book about, it, it's um are you about
1: how? to quote Sapiens and nope. talk? No, I'm getting, I'm getting, but,
0: but but that was also pretty good. Yeah, okay. uh, no, the, the, there's a there's a great book that uh, goes into depth about how cats domesticated people, rather than so th- there's this whole thing about cats domesticate themselves with I, which I agree with that they they came around humans and they started eating the mice and various other vermin and they got cuddly with us because they knew that we would protect them and so on and so forth. But the idea that they went so far as to create a domestication format for ourselves, for humans, and lead us to areas where they knew they were going to be comfortable. Ergo, we would be we would probably be comfortable too. It's a really interesting perspective. I won't get into details about it here, but uh, I, I definitely recommend just googling it because it is just a great little read.
1: I I, I hear that argument, and it's
0: not actually an argument. It's the, it's well, it's a, it's a it's a theory. Okay, I hear
1: yeah.
2: that. I hear yeah. that. You're making a Glam- claim.
0: Yeah, but it's not an argument. No one's arguing.
2: Yeah,
1: well, you are. I, an argument doesn't have to be a. An aggressive Your argument mechanism. is that cats
2: domesticated humans.
0: No, no. I, I'm saying it's an interesting read. I'm not actually saying I agree with it.
2: But it's making an argument. I hear it's supporting the argument that uh,
1: cats domesticated uh, humans, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. Hmm. Uh, in Sapiens, which is a great book, yep. uh, the author makes a similar claim. Uh, If you look at humans as a species, uh, comparing hunter-gatherers to early agricultural societies, hunter-gatherers had a much higher quality of life. With the variety of food they were eating, and the uh, uh, lifespans that they had, and the infant mortality rates, they were all uh, better than early agricultural societies uh now the reason that agricultural societies took off is because while the quality of life did reduce greatly the number of humans mm. per square kilometer that were able to be supported by agricultural living versus uh, um, uh, hunter-gatherer living was greater uh, and just that small amount allowed humans to uh, uh, you know propagate the entire uh, globe and become the you know, Crazy civilization we are today. However, if you consider the idea that uh, we, you know, the first grains that we really uh, 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 agriculturalized were was was wheat, perhaps because while wheat was only found in a few small river valley civilizations uh, 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 fifty thousand years ago, seventy five thousand years ago, one hundred twenty thousand years ago, uh, but now it is the most abundant. On the planet that wheat has had a much greater success globally than humans have. And so if you if you compare the two of us, it is really wheat that has uh, <laughs> domesticated humans, not humans domesticating wheat.
0: That's a lovely way of looking at it. And it, similarly to grass. Grass is something that wasn't um, in many locations around the world, and hmm. humans brought it uh, to many areas, and fairly recently in, in many cases. Hmm. Uh, it's one of those ones that you don't really think about because you think it's everywhere. What does but
2: grass do for us? Why would we bother spreading it?
0: it it's easy to bring around. It, it has small seeds, and because it has a root system, uh, it's, it grows almost anywhere. But
2: it's not a deliberate. <clears thing. throat> it's, but, it's not
0: like we well, well, yeah, it's somewhat del- deliberate. Uh, desert Vacation. Uh, interesting fact, you know... the My bo- favorite National Lampoon's movie. <laughs> Do you know, uh, the book Dune, uh, written by Frank Herbert, of course, uh, it, it, his idea for it came because he went to um, write an article about a research station that was trying to stop desert vacation by using grass and they were using all these varieties of grass and they came up with a specific type of grass that actually grows deep into the sand and, and can stop it essentially where it is. It still requires quite a bit of water though. So there, there's back and forth issues. Right. But uh the, the, the article the article he ended up publishing I believe it was called uh um uh, they stopped the moving sands or so the the, 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 the the they stopped the dunes or something like that. They stopped the moving dunes. And uh, from that 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 experience he built the entire world of dunes. So but I know I'm getting a bit off topic here, but the idea of humans influencing the environment and trying to find ways to kind of trick the environment to work for us, like grass in this situation uh, against another natural form, which is these dunes, these uh, this desertification of who uh, is a savanna. I just love when you hear stories like that where you take something that's not supposed to be somewhere. And you put it somewhere else and see how well it thrives. I mean, you have the exact opposite uh, issue with uh, with non endemic animals being brought to uh, uh, like Australia. Like, uh, what the cane toad has to be one of the funniest fucking examples of a mistake in uh, in, in uh, human influence. Do you, you know about cane toads? No. Go ahead. Very quickly. So there were cane beetles in Australia that were causing issue with the uh, cane, the uh, the sugar canes that they were growing. So some idiot brought over cane beetle uh, these cane beetle uh, sorry uh, uh these toads. cane 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 toads came uh, to eat the cane beetles because they thought they ate them but they didn't they didn't eat them at all they they've never eaten them it was a complete they looked at the name they thought the name was enough of enough evidence to suggest that they were going to do that and then they had a huge cane toad issue <laughs> just oh, like that says like,
2: now it's just the, those toads
0: yeah. everywhere right yeah no, i i speaking about like really good books about uh bill bryson has a book called a history of nearly everything Uh, i think we've talked about in the past but uh if you haven't read that one it's just such a wonderful book that goes into so much weird details about things like uh like andrew midgley uh, who like basically covered the entire planet in lead which is one of my favorite things to talk about because it's a fact like this is something that actually happened it was tetraethanol like uh he he also is responsible for uh he, he was researching and developing um carbons, which uh, caused the hole in the atmosphere, the uh, the ozone hole. Mm-hmm. Like this guy has pretty much had more impact, negative impact on the planet than almost any ind- other individual based on uh, on industry and development. But uh, the, the funny thing is, um, he's not really recognized for how much damage he did because of the how much he improved the industry. Because uh, tetraethanol at that time was used in uh, machinery to help uh, to help uh, industry forward. And it was being used almost everywhere until it was banned, like, the 1950s to 1970s, depending on the parts in the world. But they were doing tests, uh, they were doing tests, soil sample tests to determine the age of the Earth in the 50s. And someone collected so- uh, soil samples from around the world and found the same contamination every friggin' corner of the planet. And here's a thing that they don't really go into a lot of detail about, but I still really wish, if someone has any more information about this, please send it to me, because I'm really interested in this uh I guess there's a conspiratorial element to it, but I, I still think it's quite neat uh, that lead is a um, is a mutagen and it actually can uh, has been related to cancer. And there, the percentage of uh, lead in humans, modern day humans, less now, but about thirty or forty years ago, as opposed to a hundred years ago, was like four hundred times higher. Hmm. Four hundred times higher. And it's gen- the genetic uh, abnormalities get passed along, right? Mm. So there, there's this light, very light implication that uh, this lead contamination, this global lead contamination in the 20th century might have had some, I don't know how much, impact on uh, cancer rates. It's just one of those like weird little side stories of history that I feel is kind of missed, like missed and not really talked about.
2: Yeah, this, this featured in uh, Cosmos. Yes, it did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are you getting enough lead in your diet?
2: Hmm?
0: Are you getting enough lead in your diet?
2: Probably not. Hmm. Hopefully not. I don't know. i got mercury and... Hmm. No, magnesium's the one I have to take. For the Iodine. I have well, that too. I don't know. I've got so an octopus, i could just I'm eat sorry. food, but I've got to check the periodic table for
1: what <laughs> I actually need to eat. <laughs> not getting enough
2: un in my diet. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Terrible. I need
0: some unobtainium. That's the good stuff.
2: How did did that get past editing? I I love that. Unobtainium is a real thing. No. Yeah,
0: it's a real term. It's a real term.
2: It's a real term. It's not a real thing.
0: But it's a real term that they actually use correctly in that movie.
2: No, they're describing an actual
1: substance. Now I'm sure you're talking about Avatar. Yes. But the term uh, unobtainium is also used in other fictional media to refer to very rare elements. In the movie The Core, the. Scientist who builds a the machine that drills down to the center of the earth. He built it out of unobtanium.
2: Did, did the core come after or before Avatar? Before, way
1: before. Way before. Yeah, it was yeah. like the nineties.
2: Oh, I never saw it. It's not a good movie. No. Yeah, it wasn't so. I don't. It, it was basically. I don't have to give any um, credit to unobtanium based on the core. You do not. I won't, and I feel like unobtanium is still a terrible name for a fictional substance in Avatar.
0: What if it was just obtanium? Would that make it any better?
2: No, just, like, call it, like, medieval or some weird thing. diavorum. I don't know. Put a few syllables together. That's how I name most of my D&D characters. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love it. Your, your D&D characters are, like,
1: Solath Karishmarg.
0: Wapatek a... uh, Gerrymander. Oh, gerrymander. Yeah, okay.
1: so most, most of my D&D characters' names are actually named much cooler than just random syllables put together. Wapitic gerrymander. Uh, my my players just encountered uh, the warden of a uh, of a prison whose name was uh, Warden Warren Wartworn. Ooh, Ooh. oof! I love uh, that name.
0: Uh, say it three times fast, please.
1: Warden Warren Wartworn. Warden Warren Wartworn. Warden Warren Wartworn.
0: Okay, that's pretty good. I, I would never have been able to do that. Thank you. I, I, I stumble in words anyway, so I, I feel like I, I I pay myself into a uh, speaking corner. I my dunce cap,
1: no, not allowed.
0: Oh, I tried.
1: Dunce caps are traditionally depicted as very tall, pointed cones. Similarly, when uh, I was a child, and when you were both children, and in earlier times than that, um, princesses were depicted in fiction as having long uh, cone-like. Mm. Headdresses with a single frilly, you know, piece of cloth, yeah, like down a ribbon. To top. Or something, yeah. uh, two questions, two part a question. Uh, what one? What do you think the uh, relationship between those uh, conical headdresses are? And two, why do we no longer see the the cone hat in uh, princess modern princess culture?
0: People got taller. It was harder to get through doors with them.
2: Okay, that's that's the answer to the latter. Yeah. Okay. I I think that's a great observation. I I need to digest that for a bit. So I I think you got some uh, dissertations to write.
0: It's a it's a, a, a tale as tall as feminism itself.
2: A tall tale in that
1: princesses never actually wore them. It's a it's a fictional uh, idea.
0: Uh, I think more like if you read it in a in a. In the subtext, you know, they they brought this this thing that was supposed to be for princesses, this magical, uh, beautiful um, presentation, and then they they turned it into something incredibly negative, uh, used in classrooms to put people in the corner and make them feel bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, if you connect it that way, maybe uh, you you get a you get a different story that's uh, that's unpleasant.
1: Huh.
0: I, I feel like there's um,
1: you think that there may have been like some idea that this was a feminine. Uh clothing accessory and that it was used to punish people. I think that's a a bit of a stretch. Oh, yeah. the
2: most annoying thing to wear on your head because that is going to fall off. You could not even walk at a moderate speed without that falling off. They, like, intertwined it
1: in their hair or they had, like, a strap. Yeah, a little strap.
0: (laughs) The glue. They just glue it to their forehead.
2: That's how I wear my hats. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I don't know. You know, my favorite is how military... Helmets and such will have the chin strap that goes kind of under your lower lip, so that uh, if someone was to take your helmet off from behind, they can't choke you with it. Cause oh, it doesn't go around your neck. Is that the reason for that? Yeah. Huh. So you get some very silly-looking military men with um, straps right up in their face. Now, what uh, does it help at all keep it on their head? Well, it does. I mean, it would stay on better if it just was a normal strap, but then you're very vulnerable to. The, someone choking you. I wonder
0: how many times that happened where people got choked, like choked to death and then someone's like, we've got to fix this. We've got to fix this problem right well, now. I
2: imagine that happened, not that exactly, but military uniforms being used against you happened a lot, kind of that World War One transition when everyone had ceremonial brighter clothing before camouflage kind of occurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: like, like how weird is that to think back a couple hundred years when people wore like the most obvious uniforms uh possible and marched around and uh like you know in many ways were successful in their their conquests
1: well probably you know sort of the stealthy camo ninja style uh was probably considered less honorable Hmm.
2: oh i think it's exactly that plus like the weaponry changes a lot like the amount of damage an individual can do versus a team with cannons and such but uh, if you guys have checked out Dan Carlin's uh, I World it. War One history, he, he was talking about how the, the French were going into battle and their officers are still wearing white gloves and they would be at the, the front directing their troops and they would very honorably stand up and then just get shot immediately and wave after wave of them would just die in these identical ways, com- completely futile effort. But they were so bound by tradition in the early parts of the conflict.
0: Why have we lost a lot of that? Like, I mean, I, I know patriotism is still kind of alive, but I I, I there was this really interesting reading uh, recently about, uh, or or sorry, investigation about uh, military uh, members of the military in the United States and education, and a lot of people. I think it was something upwards of seventy plus percent of people who were entering the entering the military at. Uh, at, at um, you know, post-high uh, school uh, age, the age that you would want to normally go to university, 70-something percent recently were saying they were doing it, not for purely patriotic issue uh, reasons, but more along the lines of they couldn't afford to go to, to university and they wanted to be able to pay for their education. Yeah, and, well, I, and, so. and I, you know, you, you could imagine, I, very, I think very reasonably, you could imagine if education was free in the United States, That their military would, uh, their military force would see a lot of uh, diminish very quickly. They they would probably have to change the way that they compensate uh, people who go in there, and they could compensate terribly for what they're doing. I I have a friend who's been in the Canadian military for quite a while, uh, over over fifteen years I guess at this point, and. Uh, he he did it for that reason. He was he attended university in uh, the United States in order to pay for the university. Of the United States. He went to the, he went to the Canadian military, and then he ended up not going to university because he just realized he could make enough money already in the military. And he's seen some really terrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, his nickname is um, uh, he, uh, Rocket Dodger because he used to be he used to actually be uh, in the front lines checking for mines and wow. explosives. And there is a story of him coming within a few feet of being hit by an RPG, mm-hmm. and it, he and he had moved out of the way. I don't know if it was, if it was coincidence or uh, just good luck or or, or instinct or anything of the, of the sort. But he said that you know if he, if he had been where he was standing less than, uh, than ten seconds earlier, he would have been dead. Right. And but he still goes out there. He still goes out there. Uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for him on that on that front. But uh, it is something that I find very curious, the the drive to want to get out and, uh, and serve your country, especially in such a modern world where uh, as much as possible we try to be politically uh, politically bound to uh, not invading people. I mean, particularly, again, for, from a Canadian perspective, we're more of a, a support system, I think, to uh, the, Cana- the Americans of the South.
2: Hmm. Yeah, just a thought. How would you feel about one year of compulsory military service after high school.
0: Like they do in various other countries?
2: Yeah. Now, I've actually spoken to some people about this quite
1: recently. Uh, In my uh, office, there are a number of... I I work in visual effects, and there are a number of artists that I work with from uh, other countries. Uh, So I've spoken to a couple artists from uh, Korea. and uh, South Korea has... uh, Mandatory one year military service, and they none of them say have anything too good to say about their experience there. They say, well, you know, maybe it it taught a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, how to respect authority and you know some very basic military training, but overall they found it was a a bad experience. It was, Hmm. you know aggressive and uh painful and it's it's basically just a year of your life taken away uh of your if you you know when you're in your early 20s as well it's, it's a, a year of one of your bestest years of your life is gone for you know some purpose that you don't care about and does it really benefit your country very much at all you're not
2: not really you know, I, I think it's it lies on one side of the spectrum, the other side being individualism. And what do we do for the greater good as a collective, all these kind of things. And it doesn't necessarily have to be military service, but you can also go so far in that other direction of just, I'm going to do whatever is going to benefit me the most, and then it's going to have this kind of knock-on effect. But it's it's kind of an unintentional thing, that very western capitalist individual focused mentality and sometimes like I, I, I kind of like a little bit of uh, collective mentality around things. You know we, we started by talking about rem- Remembrance Day and maybe it shouldn't be a day off from work but a day where it's not exactly mandatory but everyone's going to show up to one place not because you feel um, that it would be a great thing for you to do personally, but because you just feel wrong to miss out on something that everyone else in the city is going to participate in? We don't have those experiences.
1: Sure, I think certainly community spirit is something that is maybe lacking in the West, or I don't know. uh, You know, if, if you were, instead of doing a year of mandatory military service do a year of mandatory community service where you are actively involved in your community, uh, you know, with, with the people who live and work around you, um, and being just aware of them and aware of the, what they bring to your community and to be aware of what you bring to your community. Um, you know, that if you're trying to instill a sense of nationalism or a sense of, uh, of uh, community spirit, it's probably a greater way to do it than forced military training, which, you know, seems
2: kind of arbitrary. I agree with that. I mean, I don't think we have to be learning how to fire guns and all the the rest of the things that go along with the military, but we could be learning how to build homes for those mm-hmm. that could benefit, or volunteering yeah. in hospital systems, or whatever. I, I mean, there's, there's I, a lot of ways in which people could organize.
0: I, I like that idea. I, I like the idea that uh, trying to bring a positive spin on something that really is um, re- we're remembering people as heroes who were out there for very very valid reasons but um, you know he- celebrating killing other people is, is is it's kind of macabre like it, it, not use that I, word don't, I don't think
2: that's what we're doing though
0: no but but you're remembering the heroes of course like but we're remembering them from our you know it's it's a, it's a perspective thing i i think that it's important to remember history but it's interesting what we choose to remember and what we don't choose to remember but and calling remembrance day Remembrance Day, you know, in keeping the scope at just the the war, is uh, I find kind of interesting. We could be remembering plenty of uh, you know positive elements about society and focusing on maybe a better future than just than uh, than a dark past. That's uh, kind of what I mean.
2: I, I suppose I could be sympathetic, but I, I definitely disagree. I, okay. I, I I think it's it's really good that we take at least one day to just focus singularly on the military efforts of hmm. those before us
0: well, you know what's interesting most other uh, provinces in Canada don't actually have a statutory day off
2: yeah well, the day off things yeah neither here nor there
0: well I, I, I just an interesting like you were talking about reward systems before right like it's a reward system um, that, that acknowledges it uh, acknowledges th- that that um, a dark page in world history overall
2: yeah and the, the massive sacrifice that yes absolutely people, um
0: to. yeah I, I my my grandfather was an raf uh, uh he flew lancasters uh and bombed uh germany and such and i have a lot of i i, I feel a lot of familiar pride for him but at the same time I, I wish we lived in a world that didn't have to have any of that and i think that uh humans ability to create weapons is something that just continues to escalate and become more destructive and by having these sort of uh This uh, unperturbed view of history uh, makes it, it it just, I really think focusing on a positive future and trying to build that positive future is better than uh, focusing on a negative past and trying to to feel connection to that is all I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah, and I I think that's the salient point that Remembrance Day Mm -hmm. does acknowledge is not let's... Go raw, rah for the military. Yeah. Because oh no, know, no, I'm, I know that. I'm
1: not suggesting. Uh, <laughs> but
2: yeah.
1: Anyways, yeah. are you sure? Other because I think in Nova Scotia we got the day off for Remembrance Day.
0: Quebec. Oh, I, I actually, while we were talking, I looked it up because I, rem- I remember in Quebec we didn't have it, but oh. it says with the, Canada Remembrance Day is a federal statutory holiday with the notable exceptions of Nova Scotia, what Newfoundland. Oh no, sorry, North Territories, <laughs> Ontario, and Quebec.
1: Wait, sorry, was it? Nova Scotia? Nova Scotia. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
0: But I remember when we did have school on that day, when it did fall on a school day, because, you know, even, even, this, even this month, it doesn't fall on a uh, weekday. Falls, we, we, we get Monday off or Friday off, but it's actually on the weekend. Um, when it did fall on a school day, we did have an assembly. And people would read poetries and we'd do, you know, in Flanders fields. Of yeah, doesn't that low, just but... seem
2: exactly right?
0: Yeah, no, no. The way you were describing it before about bringing people together and being positive together, I, I definitely agree that that's it. But um, I think we can we can start, like, creating holidays that look forward instead of backwards. Like, we could have, like, oh, we should have a holiday that sets the expectations of a better world. We can do both. We could. I, just, I agree. I agree. I don't disagree.
2: Futurism Day. Yeah, like
0: why not? No, like really, like we, we, we mile, like you in business, you set milestones, right? You set milestones that you're trying to achieve, and always, you know, I, I work in you know digital marketing as a you know outside of my writing stuff, and the in digital marketing we set milestones of where we need to be, and if we're not there, then everyone comes together and we work hard to try to get that goal, and I think that uh, society often tries to maintain the status quo that we have today as opposed to try to build better tomorrow. I mean, in Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia, they were talking about that $600 billion city they want to build uh, that they've just officially uh, set up, that they want to have to be a new economic and, uh, and social center that doesn't rely at all on oil because they mm-hmm. have recognized at some level and some uh, self-awareness as, a, as, a, as an area that oil isn't the future. And I think that is remarkable for the place that has made essentially all of its uh, its wealth from that source um, to to start looking towards the future. And if they can do it, anyone can do it. Like the whole Trump thing and coal is one of the most inferior. It's almost as stupid. It is almost as stupid. Well, it's actually it's it's more stupid than when George Bush said we were going to Mars to find more fossil fuels. Did he say? He said that he said we were going to we were going to Mars to find more fossil fuels.
1: It's a very silly word. Yeah. Well, but, uh, anyway,
0: just like, and you, the funny thing is you look at, you look at George Bush now and you're like, he wasn't, that, like, there's almost that he wasn't that bad. Well, I mean, he, he was. Yes. I don't know. without a through, doubt. through uh, the lens. Rose colored glasses, yeah. I guess. Yeah. 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 Didn't Bojack Horseman popular, repopularize that term recently? I think that they had that in, like, no, I don't know. in, in season two, like uh, one of the characters says, if you're looking at the world through rose colored glasses, the red flags just look like red flags. I mean, that's a the full bit of it I haven't seen it it' it's it's pretty good like it's a, it's a
1: yeah it's good it, it explores the uh, themes of uh, you know depression and mm. anxiety and mental issues better than uh, any other show I can think of mm. including a
2: horse yeah horse man, horse man.
1: Uh, How how's the end themes on go again Uh and I'm more horse than a man, or I'm more man than a horse, Bojack.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Your voice
1: is wonderful. Thank you. Uh, do we have any uh, uh, clever quips to go out on?
0: Um, I don't know. I'm just no, no, no. It's good.
1: I mean, I'm enjoying
0: uh, enjoying what we've talked about. I think it's uh, it's it's been a good experience.
2: What's the podcast about? I think
0: the the core of it, I, what I was hoping to get out of it is the idea of positivity, and I I think we, we certainly talked about things that are a bit dark and and, and found ways to, to bring them to a little bit of a better light. But I, I I think that there are so many people out there that just focus on negativity. You, you were talking about uh, recently about Doctor Who, and I I, I I Leslie and I had a Doctor Who themed wedding, and we are Doctor Who you know fanatics. I would say we we like Doctor Who. We 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 met Peter Capaldi. A Capaldi uh, he had a, a lovely message. Uh, my brother organized him getting a message for our wedding, which is on YouTube and it, it's pretty, uh, pretty entertaining. And I think if, even though not uh, completely unintentional, I like it has over one hundred twenty thousand views at this point, something like that. Uh, yeah, it just, it, it just it, we had, we got Leslie, she didn't know what was going to happen, and we got her expression. It was really fun. Oh, nice, but, nice, um, nice. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> the new doctor, as uh, many people know, is uh, a woman now, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mark was saying that he's recently cut himself off from Reddit for because of the the venom, right?
1: Well,
2: mostly because it's just a time suck. But I <laughs> um, I did happen across um, the 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 poster release of the the female doctor, and I I don't pay attention to Doctor Who. I don't know anything about it, but just the the vitriol of people just so angry at this, and I, I mean it's neither here nor there for me, but. Uh, you know, it's, it's either deeply offensive to you because it's changing the status quo of a character that you either know and care about or you just feel like being outraged that day or it's uh, it's the opposite side of things where you, you're just rebelling against the other side that is outraged by that and I, I feel like outrage is just currency now. It's so easy to get mad about everything and someone's either a social justice warrior or they're anti-social justice warrior and You pick your side, and then you
0: get really angry. Yeah, one thing I found really interesting, I really like Rick and Morty, but I keep hearing that Rick and Morty fans are some of the worst fans on, like, anywhere, and that really, like, I I, I can't understand how how people could take that into a Uh, negative place. Of
1: course, of course they are. There's, uh, like, I, it's so... uh, Rick is the protagonist of the show. He is a, uh, he's an asshole. He's a a self-centered, uh, jerk that all that is smarter than everyone else in the room and always gets his way and everything always ends up
2: more or less right for
1: him. I'm sure you could look at the end of the last season and say it doesn't, but fuck you, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, so, there, of course there are going to be self-righteous uh, uh, self-important uh, know-it-all jerk wads that identify with this character and say that guy's the funny guy, he's the main character it's something about me, I relate to that and they are going to take that to the nth degree. Mm. Um, it, it, I work with people that, that idealize him, and he is so clearly not a character to, to be idealized. No. Oh, He's you're... an alcoholic and, uh, and very depressed and has a bad family life.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, everything about him is him trying to escape himself, mm. and that is not the way that a person should live.
2: You you must have seen the the stuff when McDonald's oh the Szechuan, uh, Szechuan, 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 Szechuan sauce and the I mean kids they look pretty young they're rioting inside of McDonald's like standing up on the the counter for the where the cashiers are and all that kind of stuff and just horrible delinquents and that's why it has a bad reputation it's just as as I, it, it, other stuff
0: I, I just hate when when society can turn something that just meant to be fun into something that that is used as a weapon i mean i kind of going back to what we said before because it, it, it's supposed to be as you pointed out very rightly max like it's supposed to be ridiculous because that's just what it is like dan Harmon and, and uh oh, was Judge thank you very much um it's based on. Have you seen the the original pilot, the the one that, that uh, Justin made when it was uh, actually Doc and uh, and Morty. Marty? Yeah. Yes. And he was like all about licking his balls in order to go back in time. It was like seriously. That you, you find it online. Like that's I exactly. That now. No. No. He, he's the, the the original one you find online is Marty, not Morty, but Marty getting his kite stuck in a tree and getting Doc to take him back in time so the tree was never planted. So the uh, kite never got in the tree, but in order to do so, Doc asked him to lick his balls. And it's just like, it was way too much. And that, like, yeah. (laughs) But uh, it's funny to think that that's the back end pilot for what uh, Rick and Morty ended up being. And you kind of see that, you kind of see that that was the idea behind it, but... Anyway, no, I, I think if, if we're going to finish this up at all, it would be really nice to finish on a positive note and just try to like mention fun, positive things that are coming out. Like, uh, I read something that that blew my mind about uh, you know you know the term butterfly child, butterfly kid. No, there are these there are some kids that are born with this very rare genetic oh, yeah. issue, where their skin, their, their 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 epidermis is not actually connected to the lower layer. It, uh, the the, the, the um, adhesive component is not the the uh, I think it's a protein isn't produced, so the skin. By almost like breezes, just can be like fall right off.
2: It looks extremely
0: painful. Yeah, you end up with blisters. It ends up terrible. But but I said this is going to be a positive thing because this is a great great story. They used a form similar to CRISPR where they 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 removed some of this kids. Uh, if you don't know CRISPR, please look it up. It's super interesting. It's basically a genetic modification using uh, um, uh, changing um, one uh, one area of your genetic code to another uh, another. Uh, other department, you can do it with almost anything, but it's going to be, in the future, it's going to be everywhere. Uh, It's starting to show its face a bit more here and there. People are a bit skeptical, but this is an amazing story about it. And in short, they uh, took some of this damaged skin, they uh, figured out what was wrong with it, they injected this virus to rewrite it so that it didn't have this issue, they then uh, grew a, like, nine square, I think it was nine square feet, or more than that, of, uh, uh, of skin, and they grafted 80% of it back onto his body, and it worked. And this kid can now play outside, can play soccer, he, you can pinch him. And this was you, you You take it for granted, but this kid couldn't be touched by his parents. Uh, I think it's I think it's something like 8 out of 10 of kids who have this issue don't make it past uh, adolescence. And now they have found a way, a beautiful way, to—using uh, science, using technology— To give this kid an actual life, where he can—he he he is eighty percent. So there's still that twenty percent that they'll have to repair over time. But yeah, effectively, comparatively, though, yeah, yeah, he He has a life now. Before he was like one of those effect again, not literally, but effectively, like a bubble kid. He couldn't really interact with anyone. It hurt everything in his life. Hurt. He was covered in blisters all the time. His skin was literally falling off of his of his Hmm. body. And I think to end at least, I, I think it'd be good if all of us can just like kind of provide something. But I think if we focus on science and uh, the benefits that it has, rather than being afraid of what we can, what we could do that is malicious with it, that we would all be better off. And I think that uh, very often, and particularly in the United States where uh, there's a lot of um, Christian movies that are trying to suggest that science is, is, is evil. Uh, I think that if people would just look at the good that it's, it's having uh, for the lives of people, Kids and adults alike who have uh, horrible medical issues that are would have killed them ten years ago that suddenly have given uh, been given a new life. My father is a pacemaker too, right? Like, it's something that I feel very close to and connected to uh, medical science. Anyway, that's 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 my thought. I'm Brian. Uh, if if you if you do feel like reading some science fiction stuff, I do have some books. We were going to talk about it today, but maybe next time, if that's okay with you guys, uh, please say something cool, Max. You always say cool stuff. I'm sorry to put you in the spotlight. <laughs> we could throw we could throw Mark in if you like. Let's throw Mark in. Mark, you're being thrown in. Positivity.
2: Positivity. I did not prepare any positivity. Um, and you want scientifically based No, 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 no. It could be anything. Well, um, I recently, i I'm a very, very much non-religious person, but trying to kind of see things from the point of view of other people, uh, try to explore um, the idea of sacrifice in in a more empathetic way, and I, I think I've kind of come to appreciate kind of the, the Christian mentality of basing uh, um, principles around kind of the idea of sacrifice and how that can have a lot of benefit for communities and individuals and things like that. and. Um, just for my own sake maybe taking a little bit of the cynicism out of uh, having opposition to people that I feel very different to and so I mean I, I still think those belief systems are incorrect I don't, I don't think they are accurate descriptions of uh, empirical history but trying to see a little bit of the wisdom in, in how other people practice their life so I think just in the last week it's been a thing I, I thought about a little bit more um, so that's, that's just a little bit of the empathy that I've attempted to, to find in, in viewpoints that are very different from mine
0: it's beautiful
1: I have been hmm, let's see I'm a very positive person and I'm finding it very difficult to think of an immediately positive thing just, just a thing. I've been working lots, and that's been taking up most of my time and energy lately. I just finished season two of Stranger Things. That's a very good show. Um, I think that an issue that a lot of Netflix shows have is pacing. And that, especially in season one of Stranger Things... In most of House of Cards, in any of the Marvel television or Netflix shows, um, and in mm, maybe some of Bojack Horseman a little bit, the pacing of the shows is really weird and off, and it doesn't feel uh, as though it. it the, that you're. Every, every episode has just something a little bit wrong with how far they take every plot line, and maybe that has to do somewhat with uh, the, you know, unrestricted... Uh, oh, uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh, obviously, is a great other example of this, uh, where the episodes, because they don't have the tight 22 they have to match to, um, they, they, they sort of let storylines run on too long, they let scenes go run on too long, and uh, I found that this second season of Stranger Things really did overcome that, and uh, I was, there were certainly some scenes where it was still evident, but uh, overall it was a really solid season, and a good sequel to the first, Um, so uh, that's a hearty three stars out of four for Stranger Things,
2: it's good, Wait, are you saying that the episodes are varying lengths?
1: That's not exactly what I'm saying, no. But, but was that a They ponder? are. They are. are. Yeah, Yeah. But I are. I sure they're, uh, you know, on Netflix, you don't have to, you're not limited to the 22 minutes plus 8 minutes of commercials that
2: uh, mm-hmm. broadcast television is. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah. We should probably come up with a name for this and all that other stuff.
0: Oh, you can just put it on my, uh, my channel, please you want to just